Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This is episode number 220. I'm super excited today. I'm sitting down. I'm talking with runner, ultra runner, Alyssa Clark. She's an absolute monster. She's finished something that is record setting and absolutely unbelievable um, that we're going to talk about today. But before we get into that, I wanted to actually invite a special guest on to help introduce her um, because I know these two have kind of paired up and they're doing a lot of really cool, interesting work together. So uh, I have Training for Ultra, uh, Rob Steger on, um, host of that podcast. And welcome, man. Welcome back. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having me on again. And I'm all, like honored always to speak with you. And I got to have you on an episode coming up here shortly. That would be sweet, man. I would love that so much. That. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. you know, like average Joe runner, Chris Ward. I'm all about the show. <laughs> at the middle of the pack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, man, Rob. So I wanted to have you on because, you know, I've, I've been following along and, and all of a sudden you started, you know, doing a lot of really interesting projects with Alyssa. Um, you know, she's been on your show. She's kind of acted as a co-host uh, for a few episodes. Um, you guys started this like really cool website called Training for Adventure, which we'll talk about. We talk about in the episode. Um, but yeah, man, how did you guys get kind of like connected? So when she started setting that record, I mean, I had contacted her or she had like reached out. I think she had read the book at one point and I, I mean, there's just so much kind of noise within social media. It's, it's hard to follow everyone's story, but somehow I don't know which article it was. I think it might've been a mention in runner's world or, or whatever it was. And so I had her on an episode. I was just blown away at like how well-spoken she was, but just a pure passion for running and endurance and just designing your own adventures and it was this positive voice that really spoke out in a pretty negative time it still is a pretty negative time but I've made a concerted effort to surround myself with some of the most positive people I come in contact with so I've been developing projects I honestly I don't care what their background is I'm highly focused on passion and just positivity because that's selfishly sort of what I need in my life too so it, it works out for everyone and I think the content right now is super original because that's the focus it's not purely just ultra running focused yeah um but that is also the fallout of working with ultra runners and yeah well you yeah. say you say like out there intentionally seeking the positivity and I mean man I gotta say pretty much every single person I've met through ultra running or endurance stuff like positive lights you know in the world and they have like excellent mindsets and they just they're able to like what's the what's the book called like don't sweat the small stuff like ultra yeah. runners you can't sweat the small stuff because you're in an ultra race and there's like a billion small stuffs just punching you in the face and you can't get caught up with it so yeah man i agree like and like i said i only talked to her to record this episode but i definitely felt that same thing after after speaking with her yeah she's very sincere no alternative like ulterior motives like just she just loves running. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I asked her to co-host one episode and afterwards I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you're free next week, co-host next one. And then, <laughs> and then next week, like, you know, if you're free, do that. <laughs> uh, but we, we were collaborating on some really kind of unique ideas for trainingforadventure.com where we developed this whole like kind of Excel modeling process to find the hardest 200 milers because we've all done that Google search and it's kind of, it's written by someone that might not even be a runner per se. Yeah. And we wanted to have like pretty systematic ways of breaking this down and uncovering races that maybe people hadn't just been to or knowledgeable of. So we 
we looked at these factors and made this whole factor modeling process. So it was, that kind of blew me away. She took that data and then turned it into a great article. And then she also shared uh, her whole, the end, I don't want to mess with the, I know this is the intro, her story, <laughs> um, but she wrote a really good article there from personal experience, how her um, world record attempt at um, consecutive marathons played out. So, dude, and it's, it's um, an amazing story. That's what I was like, totally. so just blown away by, cause I went into the conversation just knowing kind of minimal. And once she just got into the story, I was like, this is one of the crazier stories that has happened in the last, like, six months and at least yeah just i want to do my part to get the word out because it's it's pretty awesome so yeah let's kind of jump right into that and rob i'll have you back on at the outro so um so people can can hear that because i want to talk to you a little bit longer um but yeah let's jump just jump right into it this is like a bigfoot podcast number 220 with the amazing Alyssa clark All right, guys, this week I am very excited. I'm here with Alyssa Clark. And Alyssa, first of all, I want to like pick your brain on a couple things. Um, but you got done with this crazy event. You did a marathon for 95 straight days, which I really want to get into because I know like 1% of the story. And it's, and even that 1% is fascinating. So, um, but before we do, I just want to selfishly ask you, so I'm a, a, like five days away from running an ultra. I've been training for it for a long, long time now. Um, what do you do in the week leading up to a race? Lose your mind. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> happening. <laughs> If I always relate it to feeling like a fat show pony of like, <laughs> I am not training much. I feel like I'm just sitting there. Like I'm still pretty hungry because we're just always used to being hungry. Yeah. And you're just like plumping up a little bit. right? <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, man. I always know that I should be relaxing and making sure I'm ready and prepping everything but gosh I hate the week before it's not fun <laughs> so just know I always have to remind myself you're fine it's gonna be okay it's gonna be worth it so yeah. um yeah I would just say make sure you have everything prepped um make sure you're still like maintaining your same nutrition um but yeah, just don't, don't worry about it. If you're feeling really anxious or like things are kind of hurting because things always kind of hurt for no apparent reason um, and they will go away. But that is so cool. What, how, what's your, what's the first one? Um, so it's going to be, it's called the Boonville Backroads Ultra. It's in Iowa. Uh, it's like on gravel roads. Iowa is a terrible place to go right now with all of COVID and their mishandling of it a bit. But in Florida. <laughs> yeah there you go okay but i'm like well you know like i'm just gonna fly in camp run this race and then go home so you know um it's it's something though it's wild though because i started training for it in january because it was supposed to happen in may and then it got pushed back so i'm like kind of exhausted of just training and i wanted yeah. to ask you specifically because i'm like now that you've done all these consecutive marathons, which we'll talk about in a second, do you think there's anything to the idea of like, just keep that training load going until race day? Um, I think it, I think a lot of it depends if you enjoy doing it. Yeah. Um, if you are invested in it and just like that lifestyle, um, I think it definitely can be super sustainable, but I also completely understand the need of having some kind of goal for that to go to. Um, so like for me, when I started having everything canceled, I was like, I guess I'll just run a marathon every day. Um, and then stuff is still getting canceled here. So I'm now switching completely. I'm not racing um, for the rest of the year, just doing self-made adventures. And I definitely found myself when I wasn't sure, when I hadn't like fully zoned in on that 
thinking, why am I doing this training? Um, so, and I love training. Absolutely. So I can totally see it. I would say that there's a, a lot to be gained by building a, a great base, especially if you want to be a long-term ultra runner. Um, but I also understand how, like wanting those goals um, and needing those along the way just to kind of check yourself um, too. So yeah, I guess I hope that answers it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I just, I, I'm finding myself this week, like you said, just hungry all the time. And also just being like, I should go out for a run and like, you know, and they always talk about like shakeout runs and stuff like that. So I'm kind of like, well, I'll go for a couple runs this week and, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely. So I would for sure do like, you know, at least half an hour or an hour or something like that. Like whatever makes you feel good. But um, yeah, I also find sometimes when I go on those runs, I'm like, wow, my legs are really heavy and they're yeah. just kind of rebounding. Yeah, it's like, uh oh yeah exactly then, then the day before you'll have the last run and you'll feel i w i said it felt like i had like firecrackers up my butt it's like finally something clicks on that last day and you're like oh i'm ready let's go like, i'm so excited especially because you're normally at the race like feeling the the vibes of it um but yeah oh my gosh the week before is just like all these mind tricks going nuts and you're like just calm down it's gonna yeah. be okay yeah <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you kind of hinted at like your races being canceled and then all of a sudden you're just like, I'm just going to run a marathon uh, every day and forever seemingly. And it's a, it's a, like I said, I know like 1% of the story. So can we dive into that? Like once that idea, once you got that idea, where, how did it progress from there? Yeah. So this is kind of how, uh, I operate is that I come up with the idea and I get really excited about it and then I just start doing it. Um, so I came up with the idea on March, am I going to get these days right? Like 28th or 29th. And I stepped on the treadmill to start the marathons on March 31st. So it was about two days of uh, percolating the thought. I read it by my coach. He's like, why don't you think about it for four days or so, maybe a week, and then get back to me. And I was like, okay, sorry. I already started <laughs> this morning. I hope that's okay. Um, so really what happened is that I had everything canceled. My husband and I were living in Italy at the time. Um, so we were in full lockdown. We couldn't run or walk outside or do anything without getting fined. Um, and so when that happened, um, I started seeing my races get canceled and I was like, there's no way this is going to last till the summer. That's ridiculous. Um, and then it, they just kept getting ticked off. So I was looking for a challenge because again, like we were just talking about training is great, but you also need to have some kind of test of that fitness to be like, okay, am I getting better? Am I improving? Um, and so I was looking for that test. I was thinking, 24 hour treadmill 48 hour treadmill thing like there was that huge um quarantine backyard ultra that mike yes. wardian won i i almost was gonna do that but quite honestly i didn't trust the treadmill that i had um which is funny because that thing is gold like it has lasted beyond any of my greatest and wildest dreams for it um <laughs> but I wasn't sure if it would overheat so I was like I don't know and then I said to my husband what do you think if I run a marathon every day and he goes yeah I think you could do that um originally supposed to be like 14 days and then classic ultra runner classic me is like well if a little is good then let's just keep going yeah yeah, well, what was so what was it like in Italy? I know that was kind of like a major lockdown area. And I do want to just give you total props. Doing a lot of it on a treadmill is bananas to me. Um, but what what was it like? Like as soon as it got locked down, like how was that? What was that experience like? Oh gosh, it was honestly, I never thought we would live through a time like that it was absolutely bonkers like you couldn't 
travel anywhere except to and from work or to and from the grocery store without paperwork. And there were police barricades everywhere. Um, They would stop you and check your paperwork and you could be fined like thousands of euros, be arrested. Um, So they took it really seriously. Like just if I was driving to work, like everything's empty, like every shutter is closed. Um, It just, it felt like an apocalypse. It was nuts. And so um, we're, because we're Americans, um, you know, having the permission to live in Italy, we tried very much to um, follow the guidelines and not like, oh, we can sneak, we lived on a mountain, like sneak back in the mountain and run. It was like, no, they asked us not to. And there were policemen who checked the kind of where you would park at the trailhead so wow. they were taking it that seriously and and we, we didn't want to break the rules um so yeah that was that lasted for a month and a half about like that level of lockdown um so honestly everything in the u.s i'm just like ah we can still go outside this is great like, we're, yeah. we're good <laughs> yeah um but yeah, yeah, the treadmill thing, I honestly grew to love it because there are a lot of advantages. You don't need to carry your water. You got a bathroom right there. Your food's right there. Temperature controlled and lots of terrible, awful TV shows came out on Netflix like right when I needed them. So. <laughs> are you referring to Tiger King by any chance? I honestly, that is the one one. I only watched one episode, but I got into... Um, you got the gist of it. Handle and oh, yeah. lovers blind, which are far worse than Tiger King. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I remember that. Yeah, those, all those came out right then. Uh, what <laughs> do you think there was something for you like with that intense of a lockdown? Was it something like I need mental relief because I mean the anxiety is real. I've had it. You know, many people have had it through this whole thing and for me, running's been a relief, but also like we weren't in as intense of a lockdown. Like, I just feel like it's even more important then. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I also jokingly say, and it's like not so jokingly that, um, it was a way to keep sane and also just tire myself out. Like if I was running a marathon, I was going to be tired for the rest of the day and less anxious. So (laughs) it really worked out. Um, but yeah, it, it also, it gave structure to my day. It gave purpose. Um, I have to say, uh, probably four or five days before I decided to do the marathons, I had you know done a treadmill workout. Like I was still training, um, but then I was just running up and down stairs in my house just to do something yeah. and to feel like I wasn't so confined. Um, and then I was like, all right, I, I have to pick something that's going to relieve some of this anxiety because i'm gonna lose it if i'm just mindlessly running up and downstairs so i mildlessly ran on a treadmill for 26.2 miles so you know <laughs> it's just but you had love is blind wanna. so it was all good <laughs> so i had love to lead the way <laughs> <laughs> um well it's funny that you say like tire myself out because i always think about that too where you know i'll go to bed at night and fall asleep within like three minutes i don't have the problem of waking up or staying awake or anything like that. And I'm like, man, there is something to be said about just being exhausted by the end of the day to like help relieve some of that mental stress. Absolutely. And just also too, like I I had to learn so much about how to fuel myself, how to recover, um, how to prepare myself to do it again the next day, which I think has made me a bajillion times better runner and athlete now um just because it was like automatic feedback of when i messed up of like you didn't eat enough yesterday you're gonna feel like poop today or like you didn't sleep enough so here's you know your payback for messing up is this is going to be really hard and that was such a good lesson to learn um and also again took up you know time of the day to figure out how could I best recover? How could I best treat myself um, to succeed the next day? Yeah. What What were those things you did to be successful? Um. Honestly, probably not as a lot of people ask me like, "What are your recovery tips?" And like, probably a lot less than you think. Um. I let's see. Definitely eating something right after the run. Um. 
hydrating throughout the day, electrolytes, um, eating, you know, good meals. Um, I used a AMP uh, PR lotion, which is like a recovery lotion. And really just, I, I'm normally one that like I'm bouncing around the house all day, like I don't sit. And I just relaxed a lot more, kept my feet up and really getting at least eight hours of sleep every yeah. night was hugely important yes yeah. so, did you, did nothing you, like go ahead did you have any uh specific days that come to mind where you didn't like you missed one of those check marks and you just felt like complete garbage absolutely um let's see there were a couple in the 30s where i didn't sleep well i also have um some stomach issues and i was up like with these stomach issues and like didn't get to sleep till like one o'clock and woke up at eight and then or nine and when you start the marathon that late you're like gosh it's gonna take all day and yeah i just felt like garbage on those those were really not a lot of fun um and then once so this is kind of adding an element to the story we flew from italy to germany an air force base there we flew on a cargo plane um because there were no flights going in and out so i ran a marathon at 1 a.m on a german air force base to be able to continue the streak and then traveled for like 35 hours then the next two days i ran one in virginia beach and then one in Charleston, which I felt great, but that was also 60 and 61, which were like the record breaking ones. So I think I just had a lot of endorphins going. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was also like really high stakes. And those ones were the most likely to be messed up. And right at the time, like if you mess up, not great. Um, but then the one after like 62 and I was like, I could stop now. <laughs> I was not not a good spot i was like why am i still doing this yeah this um but then i got over it and yeah i kept kept moving forward but yeah there were definitely some ones where i was like i didn't sleep well i didn't eat enough ah yeah you're, you're gonna pay for it today <laughs> well i have to like when you're running at 1 a.m on a german air force base are you having to like tell people what you're doing or are they just like some ladies running around the air force base it's 1am call backup <laughs> so luckily because on military bases they're used to having people work like night shifts and stuff, mm, okay. i saw someone out running um at when i started and then i actually had a guy come and run part of it with me at like four in the morning yeah he was just like oh yeah i got up or I messaged him at 3.30 and said, hey, I'm starting earlier. Um, if you want to come, he's like, great. I'm waking up or like, I'm up. I'll head over. I'll see you in half an hour. You're the That's best. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you That's amazing. Yeah. Well, that just goes to show like running community, no matter where you are, you're going to be able to find someone to join you. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, he's a good guy and uh, made it. I will say I didn't know during most of that marathon whether to laugh or cry at the whole thing because <laughs> i was very close to doing both the time. <laughs> so he really helped with that well that's hilarious i gotta so when did it like get on your radar that there was this record because you know like you said it seemed it's not like you set out and i know eventually the goal was 100 days but it's not like day one, you're like, I'm going to do this for 100 days. It was like, I'm going to do this for 14 days. And then it expanded and then expanded. And then so when did it come on your mind? Like, oh, I can actually go for the the like world record for this consecutive marathon thing. Um, It was probably it's funny. I'm, I'm actually writing a, a book about it. And I was just writing about this part. Um, it was right around 25 that I had a friend say, have you looked up the record? um do you like why why wouldn't you go for it because i i was healthy i was perfectly fine so i looked it up and it was 60 and you know classic runner mentality of well i'm almost a 30 and 30 is halfway and that sounds pretty close um so it was i also there was a a huge burden that was put on my husband if i was going to decide to do it so we were moving um 
across the world during a pandemic uh, with two animals right in the 50s. So he was going to have to take the responsibility of the move. Um, He was going to have to take the responsibility of flights and just, I was worn out. Um, I mean, imagine like having runner's brain for 95 days. Um, So I was definitely a lot more useless. And I mean, I would have to be gone for four plus hours right in the middle of the move. Like the movers came and I went bye, see you in four hours. Um, So I knew it was going to put a lot of strain on him. So I looked up the record and then I kind of said, Hey, look, I'd like to do this, but I also understand what this means putting on you and I will not do it. Um, if you don't think it's reasonable and he was like, well, of course I knew you'd want to. And like, yeah, of course you should do it. Um, so it was right around 25. I officially announced that I was going to go for six over 60, um, on marathon number 30, but yeah. So it was right around that halfway point. I think, Um, yeah, I think you just gave me the greatest tip ever. If anyone's like, Hey, will you help me move? I'll be like, I'm running consecutive marathons for the next <laughs> 60 days. So no, I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> the greatest you just definitely use that. Yeah. Cause they'll be like, Oh wow, that's really cool. And yeah. then they won't bother you. That's, that's great. All you have to do is run a whole bunch of marathons. You're good. So much easier than <laughs> I hate moving. Yeah. Well, so then you get to, you break the record and it's, it is just, I mean, it's just how the world works. Like, the record has to happen in the midst of you actually traveling, which is exhausting in and of itself. And, but of course that's how it has to happen because that's just how it goes. And uh, so when did you decide like 100 maybe? Um, so I had someone say to me a hundred when I was around, well, I think when I hit 50 and I was like, yeah, that's cool. Why don't you do 50 more marathons? Like, and I'll watch you do it. That's what I tell everybody when I say I've done a couple 50 milers and they're like, you could easily do a hundred miles. I'm like, that is double. That's double the amount. Do you understand the math here, people? Yeah. I'm like 50 times 26.2. That's <laughs> thousands of miles. Like, cool. Why don't you do that? Um, so yeah, I, I definitely, I, originally said 65 because I thought I might as well add a few extra onto it and then I said 75 (laughs) (laughs) and then when I got to oh I think it was like 62 or or no 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 I'm sorry when I got to about 72 was when I really started thinking about 100 um and it what's funny too is that it really depends on the day. So I would get in a groove and I had like four or five days where I was, you know, like I could hit a marathon within a minute of the one before. So it'd be yeah. like, I don't know, a four twelve, and I could do that four days in a row and, Just, and be like, this feels yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and then you hit a really bad one. You're like, screw this. I'm done. Um, <laughs> like, I don't need to keep doing this. Um, but then you're like, oh, maybe I'll try one more. Uh, so yeah, it was probably around 72, 73 that I went, you know, let's look at the the calendar. Okay, July 7th, that shouldn't really impact, because I still thought I would be racing in the fall, shouldn't really impact anything. I'll have time to recover, build back up. Cool. I'll shoot for that. Um, and it's funny, because in the back of my head, there was a little voice that was like, I think you're going to do 95. And that's so weird to say. Really? Consider- yeah. Wow. I was like... I, I don't know why, but this is, this sounds really weird again, but I was in the eighties and I was just kind of chugging along and I was like, this feels too, like everyone kept saying, of course you're going to do a hundred. And I went, eh, let's not jinx it. Like no marathon should be taken for granted. Um, and there was in the back of the head, like, mm, this is going a little too well. I feel like something's going to happen. And I was right. So. Wow. That is, that is so crazy. Well, I got to ask this, like when you're in that late of the, in the game, you know, when you're 75, 80 in, how is your body just used to it now? Like, are you getting faster? Are you getting stronger? Because I know, um, I've listened to, uh, James Lawrence who did the 50 Ironmans in 50 consecutive days. 
And he talks yeah. about how eventually his body just adapted to it. And he, his Ironman, his, the ones he did at the end were actually some of the faster ones he did. Like, did that happen to you too? It did actually. So 16, 61 were two of my fastest marathons outside. Um, because sometimes on the treadmill, just cause again, it's temperature controlled. You can just kind of get rolling a little bit. Yeah. Um, but outside there's a lot more variables. So those are two of my fastest outside ones. And then in about the eighties, I think I was, I was like 408 to four tens, which was pretty solid. Um, but yeah, I remember finishing one and being like, that felt like a 10 miler, you know, it, you, you definitely do just shift your perception um, and your body does get used to it. I mean, I was, I walked around like an old person, like I was creaky the rest of the time. Uh, my body was definitely not super happy with me, but as soon as I yeah. started running, I was good. And uh, another adaptation that was really interesting um, was how little food I started to need um, as I got further on. So at the beginning, I'd eat like every seven-ish mile, six, seven miles, like four things of food-ish. And by the end, I could do it off of one bottle of Gatorade. Like it, it's, it was nuts how, and like now I, my training runs are just around three and a half hours, um, which is almost a marathon if I like add a few minutes. Um, so, and I can do that off of no food. So it is really interesting, like the adaptations your body goes through of efficiency. And part of you is like, wait a second, but I like eating. This is fun. Yeah. Um, and then the other part is like, well, this is what the body is supposed to do. Is, is supposed to adapt to the stresses that you're putting on it. Um, so that was, that was really cool to see. Um, also cool to see how much you can train your body to adjust. Yeah. That's wild. Have you looked into any of that? Like why that has happened? I mean, we don't have to get into like the really deep science here or anything, but like, have you tried to figure that out? Um, not as much as I should. I mean, I, I think it really just comes down to, um, metabolic efficiency and okay. that I just became like, I just don't burn as many calories per mile as most people. So I was just burning less calories. Um, and there's probably a fair amount of fat adaptation, um, involved in that as well. I actually had a couple of doctors later be like, I can't believe we didn't study you. Like that was <laughs> such a waste. <laughs> like You're going to have to start over a, again. Yeah. Do it again. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, really, I think just comes down to it. If, you know, if you look at Killian Jordan and such, and I am not like, I shouldn't even mention myself in the same sentence, but you know, he's so efficient at his calorie usage while he's out there because he's just practiced it. Um, and so I yeah. think that my body just adjusted in that way um, of efficiency and just lower caloric need. So yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Well, and I know, tr like, it's kind of weird because it's like you got to 95, which is absolutely mind-blowingly incredible. But at one point, the goal was 100. And so I, I was about to say, like, all of a sudden, it kind of had somewhat of a tragic ending. But also, you're like, it's a triumphant ending, too, because you're like, oh, yeah, I just totally kicked ass for 95 miles or 95 days. <laughs> So it, yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, like I'm saying this, be how do I say this? It could not have been a more ironic ending in yeah. so many ways. And like, it's, it's comical in the sense of what happened, not because COVID is comical, but just because it's like, well, that's what started that it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. this is what started it's it and this is what ended it. Exactly. Like I would never, ever have gone on this journey uh, which I think has is, is changed me as a human being um, without COVID. And so, you know, couldn't be more fitting that that's also what ended it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically around 92, um, I started feeling really horrible of just, I didn't, I was having some fevers, which it's a hundred degrees down here with a hundred percent humidity. So you're like, well, am I just really tired and having, maybe having mild heat stroke? 
um, or is this something else? But then like a day or two later, I lost my sense of taste. And I was like, that doesn't really happen. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then my chest started hurting, started coughing. So like every classic symptom yeah. um, of COVID when I put it together. Um, so yeah, it, it was COVID, um, tested positive for it. Oh, really? Yeah. So my husband and I both tested positive for it. Um, there was a whole shenanigans here. I went to um, the hospital to get tested. They wouldn't test me. And so we had to get scheduled for four days later to get tested. We didn't hear for two weeks. I mean, we quarantined immediately Yeah. because we were pretty sure that's what it was. But if we hadn't, then a whole bunch of people would have gotten it from us, which is just an unfortunate yeah. um, big error in the way that we're treating it right now. But that's yeah. a whole other topic. Uh, well, let me ask, like, when, okay, so I didn't realize that I saw, I think I read somewhere you got COVID symptoms and you're like, Hey, like I need to do the responsible thing here, you know, and this goal is not bigger than me and my potential safety and like everyone else's potential safety, um, absolutely. and pulled the plug, but like, how how long were the sy symptoms persisting for you? I feel like we just walked into like a medical podcast. How long were those <laughs> symptoms? Hmm. Um, so for me, adding in the probably about two-ish days where I was running a marathon, uh, which again, I, I would have stopped earlier had I put the pieces together. But again, when you're doing something physically taxing and very hot weather it can sometimes be really hard to differentiate yeah um so it was probably about a a week because i stopped on a saturday and still had symptoms until like wednesday or thursday um but really i so why i stopped is because my chest started really hurting and i started coughing more and i I want to be a runner the rest of my life and I yeah. know that it can have long-term effects. I know people months later um, still have it. So I think that I stopped just at the moment where I could have gone into a much worse case of it. Um, so really my husband and I recovered within about a week. Um, again, stayed away from everyone for much longer than that, but we have no repercussions right now no symptoms no anything that's good um so we were incredibly lucky yeah. yeah well so beyond just the fact of like having covid how did your body feel the first day you stopped running for 95 straight days oh man um was it weird i mean even it, mentally it, were you just like i should be doing something right now yeah, well, so the original plan, too, was I was going to do 100, and then the next day I was going to run, like, 18, and then 14, and then 10. Like, I wasn't just going to cold turkey stop, because my body was so used to running um, that my coach was like, you shouldn't just stop, because you'll actually hurt yourself. Like, you change your, as he put it, you change your genes. Um, is it genes? Basically, you change the functions of your body and your, like, microorganisms to be adapted to running that much. And so that's what they're used to. And so if you put a halt on it, they're like, whoa, wait a second. This is like, it, it causes stress on the body because it is the opposite, the, the exact opposite of what the body has become attuned to. So it was very strange. Um, I think I went on like a mile or two walk. It was nice not to have to run and I love running but also the combination of being sick and the fact that at that point um there were a lot of people who were watching the marathons and it was getting really stressful so it was yeah. getting really stressful to make sure my Garmin was working properly like I was carrying two watches at that point um to make sure it was uploading correctly to make sure I was getting mm -hmm. it done yeah. And so I didn't miss the stress. I didn't miss the potential for failure every day. Um, Cause the interesting thing about this challenge is that 
you either do it or you don't. So you either run 26.2 or you don't and it's done. So when you go out on a training run, you know, there's always room for failure. You know, you, you could hit 14 miles, or you could hit 12. Um, but for me with the marathons, it was either I hit an exact number, no matter how I felt, or I failed the challenge and I don't get, you know, don't pass go, don't collect $200. Yeah. Um, so it was really nice not to have that pressure. And it was really nice where I could just go for a walk. And if I wanted to run a few steps, I could run a few steps. And if I didn't, I didn't have to. Yeah. Um, so I think I was more relieved than I thought I was going to be. Yeah. When, when people started kind of paying attention to what you're doing, I mean, that has to be a weird game changer. And it's almost like in some ways, I'm sure you almost didn't want that, you know, just cause it probably just added that extra layer. I mean, did you have that experience? Yeah. And again, it's a double-edged sword. So on the one hand, you're so flattered of that people are actually interested in, in what you're doing. And so many people reached out and said, Hey, I'm starting to run again. And you know, you inspired me to keep being positive during this really strange time. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, there's also a lot of negative comments that come with it. There were a lot of people I, I didn't I wouldn't read comments on like Runner's World articles or it came out on Yahoo and in Men's Health because Good people move. are mean. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I was Which blows my mind. Why? I, I don't know. understand. Don't be mean. People can are so kind and so cruel. And <laughs> I I just I couldn't, yeah, I, I, I couldn't read the comments after a while. I was like, nope, I don't want to ruin my day because of course the negative comments are the ones that just catch in your brain and you feel like a terrible person for no reason. Yeah. Um, so but my, my yeah. point is like, how does you running a marathon every single day negatively affect some random person who reads the article? Like I see, I totally understand how it can like motivate and how it can inspire because I've definitely been on that end where I've read something or watched something and been like, whoa, now I'm going to go out and run. But like, I just honestly cannot get into the mindset of someone who would see that and be like, hmm, she shouldn't do that. It's, it's bad for her knees or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I wish that were, <laughs> they were a lot meaner than that, unfortunately. <laughs> That's yeah. as mean as I get. Um, yeah. Oh, well. I'll take you on my team. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, it's funny because there were moments where I, I, again, I was so flattered. Like it was so cool. Um, Cause I've been, I have been working hard to um, be more known in the running world. And um, yeah, I, I'm pursuing a career as a runner and, and all of that. And so that was fantastic. But on the other hand, there's definitely a stress and, and you do feel kind of in, in the spotlight a lot. And so there were times where I was like, Oh my gosh, I just want to go back to being like the no name that, you know, like, Oh, I like to go around the mountains sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so there was definitely when it, it started to cool off, it's like, Oh, I can just be just relax a little bit more and just go out and do what I love and, and not have to worry about um, the, media side of it and the the public perception side of it that's awesome um, yeah and then there's sometimes we're like oh that was kind of cool <laughs> yeah yeah i mean so, it has to be cool too yeah i it's, it's probably like a really weird situation you know to find yourself into it is but i am i'm thankful for it um but i'm also really glad just to be a runner who likes to go out and do things because um you know at the core of it and I think that was also the part that I started realizing towards the end is that I never started it to get any articles written or to yeah. have podcasts done or any like to get Instagram followers like that had nothing to do with it um, it was purely just something that I hoped maybe it would motivate someone to go out for a run or to stay positive. Um, and so 
all of those snowball effects were were great but it was just like fundamentally I just really like to run and at the end that started being like it was changing a little bit of I couldn't just go out and run because I I had a lot of people watching me um so I was kind of glad when when people stopped watching a little bit as closely (laughs) (laughs) no I totally I I 100% get that um I wanted to ask you about the race whose name I've read a billion times but I don't know if I can actually pronounce now that I'm sitting here about ready to say it tour de jeans. Yeah. Right? Tour de Jean. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I was it. like, you know, when you read the word kernel and then you're like, wait a second. It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly like that for me. Um, I do want to ask you really quickly about that, but I definitely want to hear about that. At, maybe in the future, if you're willing to, come back on at some point um so you did that how does that i just want to hear how does that compare because that's like known as one of the most absolute hardest 200 mile races in the world how does that compare to running a marathon like the consecutive days kind of like long-term goal situation for sure um (sighs) hmm they're almost incomparable. It's yeah. like a whole, like they're, they're two different events, but I wish that I had done the marathons before I decided to do tour because from the marathons, I learned the ability to keep going every day where I didn't give myself any outs. Um, I just said, this is who I am. This is what I do with tour de Jean. I was too inexperienced to be able to handle um, the difficulty of it. And so I allowed external factors to influence me and ultimately lead me to um, DNFing at mile 140. Um, Yeah, which I I got actually ended up with altitude-induced bronchitis, which happened to a lot of people in the race because there was such fluctuations in temperature. So up high, it was snowing. And it was like 20 degrees at night. Um, And then down in the valleys, um, it was like, you know, 60 something um, and hot. So you're just constantly changing um, levels. But Tor is such an incredible and like mind numbing experience because it is just so technical. Like your climbs are five to six hours like you start in a valley and you go up for a couple hours and you're like cool okay i'm almost done aren't i and then you've reached like a third of the way like you're starting to hit the alpine ish parts and you look up and there's like a refugio which is like a little cabin and that's another hour away and then you probably still have another like two hours to the top so you're just always going up or down um there's a lot of weather components to it um you really have to treat it as, I mean, it is a race, but it's also, it's so enormous. You can't think of the whole thing. You have to break it into parts. Yeah. And I think I was so overfaced by the enormity of it that I couldn't break it down into parts. And the marathons, I was able to break it into parts. So like I had milestones within each marathon that I would hit. And I would like, I would cheerlead myself for the success of hitting that rather than thinking about the enormity of what I had left. And with tour, you can get so completely overwhelmed by the climbing, by how much you have left, um, that it can stop you from even really starting. Um, but I will say with tour, it is a phenomenal experience. Like I will hundred percent go back when I get the chance Um, And just the atmosphere of the villages and the towns and the people, like they love that race. And it is such a way to experience Italian hospitality, Italian food um, and kindness. And you really get to see the best in people while you're out there. That's awesome. I feel like it has to have like the best food ever during the race. It's pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So to wrap up, you 
have been co-hosting. You've co-hosted a, a handful of episodes for Training for Ultra podcast with Rob. Uh, and then you guys started this uh, website kind of blog um, called Training for Adventure where you guys write these really cool ultra running articles. Um, can you kind of like give us a little insight on that experience? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started working with Rob a bit with the podcast, helping out. Um, and then we came up with a concept of expanding beyond just ultra running and trying to encourage kind of adventure. So whether that's hiking, running, biking, um, you know, any kind of outdoor sports, uh, we wanted to bring that into the culture that he's done such a good job of creating. Um, and also it's a nod to, I honestly think of this as the year of ultra running because COVID stopped races, but it lowered the barrier for people to enter into the ultra distance. Yeah. And whether it's the Yeti challenges, um, or, you know, any of the 48 hour or just people now having the time because they're not commuting to be able to get the mileage in. I have seen more people running their first 50 K or their first, you know, 24 hour event, um, than I've ever seen in my life. And so this has been the year I call it the year of create your own adventure. Um, and so we wanted to talk about those adventures, highlight them. Um, so actually I'd love to have, if you want to write something or contribute, we'd love to have you. I'd love to have your Iowa experience. Um, we'll and see that's, how it goes. that's, <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping it's uneventful and I just run it and I feel good. That's the goal. <laughs> there you go. I know it's not going to happen yeah. that way. Oh, it never does. <laughs> I mean, the one thing you can count on ultra running is that it's never, it's never going to happen the way you expect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool yeah, though. So I love the website. Just... I've, I've definitely read your, the articles you guys have put out so far and they're awesome and, and really, really cool. So if you're into ultra running, that's definitely something to, to look into. For sure. Yeah. We're always looking for, um, content and to continue to build it. So. Yeah, that rocks. Well, Alyssa, it's been awesome talking with you. Um, like I said, I want to hear the full tour de Jean story at some point. And we didn't even really get into like your whole ultra running history and how you got into all this stuff. Um, so I'd love to have you back on at some point if you're, if you're willing to. So. Absolutely. I'd love to. It's been awesome. really fun. Awesome. Cool. Well, where, where can people kind of follow your adventures and only message you really nice things? Because why not? Like, why would you do the other? Like, I don't understand. It's all good. It, it's honestly taught me to have a, a tough skin, which is super <laughs> important in life. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably most active on Instagram. I'm theory, T-H-E-O-R-Y underscore in underscore motion. Um, there's a story behind that, but that's probably for another time. Uh, and then training for adventure.com. And it's the um, number four on Facebook. So training number yes. four adventure, number four adventure. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, you can friend me on Facebook and, um, working on actually building in a coaching component, um, Sweet. as well. So hopefully that will be rolling out soon. Perfect. And writing a book about 95 marathons. Yeah. I'm over 30 pages into that. So hoping that, yeah. I love often. Have you thought of titles yet? Um, thinking about it, but I'd love to hear what you recommend. Okay. Ready? Just, this is all you got to put on the title. It just has to say 95 straight days, dot, dot, dot. Holy shit. And then that's it. And then I love you're good. It. Yeah. People buy it would yeah. totally buy that. <laughs> but I'm awesome. gonna have to give you some rights to it if I use it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Alyssa. Um, yeah, we we'll we'll talk to you again soon. Let's try to have a like the most sophisticated conversation on the outro as possible. I feel like if I had if I tried to have a sophisticated conversation, <laughs> instantly you would just see through how dumb. <laughs> 
I actually am. And so it'll make me look, it'll make me look even stupider, but we'll try. Okay. Um, no, joke. Good, sir. No. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, Hey, I, first I want to just give props to Alyssa, Alyssa Clark, uh, definitely follow along with her journey. Um, it's theory underscore in underscore motion, I believe. Um, and check out their uh her and rob's website training for adventure that's the number four uh it's awesome there's a lot of cool articles and i know like you guys just started that so i'm thinking you guys are just kind of ramping up and and getting it going so i've really enjoyed it so far though so um but yeah so anyways i'm back here with rob at the end of the podcast um and dude i wanted to ask you this is just all really selfishly um I watched the uh, Triple Crown of 200 series on Amazon and it was awesome. I loved it so much. And I kind of want to hear just real quick about filming that because last time I had you on the show, we talked about you running it and competing in it, but we didn't fully talk about like the filming of that. So um, let me ask you this. Running a 200 is hard enough. And then you add filming on top of that. What was, what was that like? What was the energy? Like what percentage of increase of energy did you have to have? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll start off with, if you don't follow Alyssa, definitely try to follow her on Instagram or whatever. She's doing amazing things and I can only see more just phenomenal things in her future. So prepare yourself. I know she's going after big things. Uh, with, Running the Triple Crown, so behind the scenes, I constantly had a GoPro on me for 650 miles. I always had a memory card within that GoPro that was readily available, full capacity, battery backups. But I would say the worst part was adding in the additional mileage. Yeah. So yeah. you're already running, like Bigfoot is 206 yeah, 206 miles, 42,000 feet of gain. But then I have to set up a GoPro and run past it, then I have to run back, and then I have to grab it, and then I have to run the same section again. It just mentally is very difficult. Yeah. And I would say, and Ryan Clayton and I have talked about this quite a bit. If you haven't talked to him before, he's a really great guy. He, um, Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. It is the the viewer, and hopefully you don't have to edit this too much. Um, the viewer wants to see your low points. Yeah. So, and that's the exact I've, moment you don't want to get your camera out and do more work. It it's like energy times twenty. Like when you are full blown bonking, or you're going hypothermic, or whatever might be going on you trip and crash and burn like the first thing you I mean it's natural not to want to film because it's your low point so I've had to train myself counterintuitively like first thing I need to do get out the GoPro hit record yeah so it it sucks um, during the race but without that there's giant gaps in storytelling and that's that's one of my strengths is the storytelling aspect yeah and I, yeah, Ryan and I collaborated nearly perfectly on it. So I'm very happy with how it turned out. And yeah, I'm never doing the triple crown again. <laughs> so glad we got that recorded. But, but Ryan pulled the triple crown of filming. So behind yeah. the scenes, that guy was just all over the, I think he drove nearly a thousand miles to cover the whole race because of how remote sections were. So Wow. I, I don't know if the Triple Crown will ever be covered that extensively again yeah. uh, through film because it's a giant risk financially, like the amount of time that needs to be devoted to get that quality, that high of a quality product is, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. So the amount of scale you have to get to cover the cost is, it, yeah. It's yeah. mind-boggling the whole project works. <laughs> but that's what I'm all about. I don't, I don't take profits out of my Train for Ultra. Everything I do gets rolled back into more just 
inspirational content and I'm trying to bring Alyssa into this whole concept and truly the goal is just to inspire people to get out and run as simple as that make some healthy food choices and get active that's so cool man well and you're talking about like you have to capture those low moments because that's the thing people want to see they want to see the hero of the movie overcome the low moments you know overcome the adversity and it's awesome that you caught that i know it couldn't have been easy so huge props to you because the show's great um personal favorite part was at the end of episode one when this like just bonkers insane lightning storm is happening and then you just walk out into it and that's how it ends and you're like I'm like, man, if someone watches this who hasn't done ultra running, they're going to be like, these people are insane. Like, what are they doing? Because I was like, dude, would I was, it got me thinking like, would I walk out into a lightning storm like that? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I guess you have to be there, but yeah. Yeah, you have to be very careful. But, you know, in reviewing hours and hours and hours of footage, the one clip that really stuck out to me was when I look at, Ryan was filming me. I'm like, if you're thinking about trail running, but you're not sure, don't watch this next part. <laughs> that was truly like, that was pretty questionable. That was but questionable, we, man. Yeah, we're safe about it as, as safe as we could be. But I mean, yeah, as you saw, like the person, basically the, the trail runner in front of me got nearly hit by lightning. So it's, it's real. Yeah, there's yeah. hopefully that, TV show captures the reality of, you know, just because you have a GPS tracker on doesn't mean you're now not going to get hit by lightning. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's course marked doesn't mean you're not going to get hypothermia and, you know, freeze yeah. to death. So, yeah. That's crazy, man. Well, yeah, I really like, so I got to ask you. So, you just did a product project with Brittany Charbonneau, who we were just talking about. And Still filming. Just, Still filming. Okay, sweet. Yeah, so yeah. I'm excited for this. Like I got to interview her after she did the Olympic trials. And then now she's become this phenom of trail running, like setting records that are difficult out here. Like she just did the skyline traverse in Boulder. Like these are records that like super fast people have taken on. Unsupported. You know? It was just ridiculous. Unsupported. And then she did Get lost, the- went to the bathroom. <laughs> Like, it was unbelievable. Yeah, and then she did the, like, uh, four-pass loop in Aspen, like, these famous runs out here. And she's just taking the FKTs out. And I just think, like, once your your video hits, like, the trail running world's eyes are going to be open to her. And, and also, like, just to speak to what you said earlier about Alyssa, you know, Britney's kind of seems the same way. Like she's hilarious. She has this really like happy go lucky attitude, this positivity, even in the Olympic trials, she has this big smile on her face. And like, I just love that you're featuring, you know, I'm telling you, I am going after people that are sincerely passionate about running and that are super positive. I don't care what type of person they are. And it just happens to be I'm working with two females right now. As many people as I come across that are sincerely passionate about running and have this positive vibe, I want to surround myself with those people. They're going to make me better. They're going to do more amazing things, being around other positive people. Oh, yeah. It's just a whole, like, group I'm trying to kind of not create, create, but, I mean – we get to choose who we hang out with. I want to hang out with people that are like that right now. Yeah. And they say like, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, you know, exactly. Um, which is so true. And yeah, you, you pick up on those, those traits and those kind of the attitudes people have, which is cool. But I wanted to ask you, so going out and filming a diff, like someone who's, you did the triple crown where you're filming yourself, which is really hard what are the unique challenges of going out and filming a di- another runner besides trying to keep up with Brittany because she's like, yeah. Zelda. And she made it a fun game to try to drop me while <laughs> carrying like this gimbal and giant camera. Um, <laughs> I would say you really have to know the routes and plan ahead of time. Okay. And I even had an additional camera guy there just because I knew 
how fast she is. There's only 17 miles here. This is going to happen quick. Like having tried to follow Matt Daniels through Western States, uh, I think it was last year. Like it's just very difficult, and you don't you don't get a second take when yeah. something is happening, like a race or FKT. So you really have to be in position to capture. Like you don't know what's going to happen. And all you can do is put yourself in the best position to try to capture the story. Yeah. So I didn't know if she'd get it or not, but I wanted to be in position to capture whatever happened. And I mean, we put out kind of a teaser on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen that yet, but it's just like totally goofy. Brittany, uh, we went out to Deer Creek Canyon and she runs with her sister. And part of her training plan is sister runs. So her sister's like us, you know, middle of the pack crusher and literally part of her training plan has sister runs. So I wanted to get out there for those goofy, like, you know, experiences that they have. So yeah. it'll be interesting because I've, I've done Matt Daniels film and it's mostly serious. Yeah. Besides like Hayden Hawks goofing off sometimes it's pretty serious film. So it'll be fascinating to tell the serious aspect of the FKTs and what el whatever else she ends up going after. And then like the silly side, like her and her husband, Justin are cooking all kinds of like crazy cookies and they're just happy go lucky, like enjoyable people to be around. So yeah, that's awesome. Hopefully man. I can share that vibe yeah. and, and give off a positive story to tell yeah. her. That's so cool, man. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Maybe when, when you guys, uh, when you have that done, I would love to interview you and Brittany and, and have yeah. you guys back on the show. So dude, well, fun. thank you, man. Like, uh, I just really appreciate what you're doing. I'm really enjoying it, especially as someone who consumes, you know, adventure content and stuff like that. Like, it's just awesome to see people out there doing it. So, so yeah, man, I appreciate you coming yeah. on. Uh, and you know, um, introducing Alyssa and all that stuff so keep it up oh uh, she's she's just ready to take off so get ready you think you think what she just did was impressive just wait <laughs> her future's so bright and she yeah. has the exact attitude to really like take the next next few steps so That's awesome. watch out for her and let's get out for a run sometime soon heck yeah dude let's do it